What is happening, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Christian Hansen Show. Thanks for tuning in on Monday. If you did, my conversation with dear friend Albert Percoco, music aficionado. God, he's so freaking smart. Um, ask him anything about the Beatles and he'll drill you day in and day out. He knows all of this shit. It's just incredible. Um, so thanks for, thanks for listening on Monday and welcome back to another episode of the Christian Hansen Show. Today we have Dr. Bill Miller on the show. Yes, doctor and comedian. Uh, Bill began performing at comedy clubs throughout Chicagoland and the Midwest while attending one of the most prestigious medical schools, Northwestern Medical School in Evanston. Uh, quickly, he was an in-demand comedy club headliner. Yeah. With appearances on Showtime, A&E, WGN Radio, and many more. And he's put on this one-man show called Bad Bedside Banner at Zany's Comedy Club in Chicago and performs at medical conferences across the country. Now, his show is, is perfect because it goes through life as a physician's son and father, and he really does a great job exposing the comedic side of medicine and shares his years of experiences on doctors, nurses, patients, and healthcare in general. And this is something that's going to be a huge talking point in less than half an hour when I speak to Bill because we're going through a really fucked up time right now with, you know, guidance in in the medical uh, field. Not so much the scientists and doctors, but more so leaders people of power and government i'll leave it at that but uh i'm gonna try to pick his brain about that see 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 his view see where things are going um it's gonna be fun kind of nervous not gonna lie um i don't really i I, i'm trying to branch out and speak to different types of people and you know kind of um, build my social skills because i've i've lacked on them for a very long time in my life i'm very socially awkward so podcasting is giving me this opportunity to kind of build and develop Something that, uh, you know, I haven't haven't always been very good in. So it should be interesting, certainly. Like always, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Send me an email as well if you, if you know someone that should be on the show, someone uh, you'd like to hear on the show. Someone, yeah, I mean, shit, if you want to be on the show, shoot me an email. Uh, nice and easy. It's called booking at thechristianhansenshow.com. It's booking at thechristianhansenshow.com. Let me know what you have. If you want to come on, great. If you know somebody that you think I should talk to, definitely hit me up. Let me know. Let's branch out. Let's be social. And let's, you know, let's just talk. Let's have fun in the middle of a pandemic. Um, <laughs> that's kind of, I mean, that's all we can do. And, you know, like Bill says, and everyone says, laughter is the best medicine. So without further ado, here's my conversation. Comedian and doctor, Bill Miller. Enjoy. Yeah, I guess I kind of just go ahead and uh, get started. Um, like I said, first and foremost, thank you for, for agreeing to come on here and take the time to, and talk to me. I, I thoroughly appreciate it, uh, certainly. No problem. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to have the opportunity. 
Certainly. And, you know, I, as a doctor, I mean, I, it's almost ridiculous to not start with the past four or five months. Um, as someone who's flourished in, with the ability to kind of get people to feel more comfortable and at ease, you know, w- with what you do, um, you know, you, you say it best. If the laughing gas doesn't do it, I could certainly provide that, that touch. This time has been a little bit different, though, I'm assuming, because this is a very different type of beast you're dealing with. How has this situation been for you um, as, as a doctor over in your hospital? Well, first of all, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Like The COVID. The past four or five months, has anything changed? No. I, I didn't think so either. I'm just going around. I mean, I, I, that's a scary I'm thing, though, Dr. I'm Bell. just messing with you. No, um, <laughs> no yeah, it's... Well, it's scary in that uh, this virus is going to get everybody eventually, right. unless you get a vaccine. And um, we got to take care of them. I mean, people still need surgeries and stuff. So you just got to do um, what scientifically and medically makes sense. You got to socially, socially distance, you got to wash your hands, you got to wear masks. If someone has COVID positive, you got to go a couple extra steps. You got to go N95 masks. And you got to go uh, personal protection. You know, there's special things. It's called a uh, PAPR, where you put this. You're, you're basically isolated, and you got a air air machine that pumps air into your suit, so you, right. don't, wow. you know, don't suffocate to this. But that's only if they're actually COVID positive. You got to do an aerosolized procedure. Yeah. But you know, it's it's it, it is an inconvenience for everybody. But if everyone does their part, then the inconvenience is kind of disseminated amongst everybody. So it's, you know, lesson. Yeah. Everybody wears, you know, wears masks. Everybody socially distances. Everybody washes their hands. The thing is not going to, you know, get the advantage of us that, that much. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, and everyone's in the same boat. You know, I'm not going to be like those guys in the Ozarks, you know, Lake of the Ozarks, we're all partying. Right, what an idiots, man. They're just setting us back months and months. Like, I don't understand it. Like, and that's the one thing that's it's been proven is at first, um, you know, that's the interesting thing about something like this because it's a novel. There's, it's a, it's a newer, it's a newer version of this. So people are saying, oh, don't wear masks, don't wear masks. We're learning more and more about this as time goes on. So there's not much. You know, things are changing and adapting, but to see those people go out there and like the Ozarks and stuff, it's just, it's just well, setting everyone back. It's ridiculous. Well, you're messing with my freedom, man. You're messing with my freedom. Right. I, my choice is America. And if I don't want to wear a mask, if I want to infect 48 people in my neighborhood, then I'm going to do it. Right. Period. It's yeah. America. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's totally nuts. Totally nuts. Right. But that's the joy, though, of, uh, in the sense, though, you as a as a as a comic, you have so you got so much material now. From <laughs> I mean, you got you're like wow. Okay, I got I got I got great content now from here on to the rest of to the rest yeah, of the journey. But it, it's sad content. I mean, it kind of redefines that first kiss. You know, we used to go out before COVID. Yeah, you go out with someone, you meet them once, you go out on the first date. You pretty much expect a little a kiss, whether it's a peck or a full blown on kiss. Right. Now it's like, do I want to take off my mask and kiss this person? Yeah, I don't different. know. I got to think about this. Right. You know, um, even on the second and third, you don't know what they're doing. You see them one Saturday and then next Saturday, you don't know what they've done from Sunday to Friday. Right. So, and that's the scary thing is, you know, it's like I have friends who are like, oh, I, don't, I, I know they don't go anywhere, but 
I don't know that one time they do go somewhere without it. You know, that that's all that takes. So, and I, I'm in a very interesting situation as well because I have a father who's really sick, and you got to protect. I got to protect. You know my my uh, my elders and stuff like that but um how has it been though over there for for you in, in your in your um you know hospital setting area how is how has it been affecting you guys well I, you know for the the first few months there was no elective surgeries mm-hmm. you know? um so there were not many people coming in the hospital that needed operations you know if you wanted to get that gallbladder out or something it was going to you know you could wait Right. But emergency surgeries are something where if you withheld treatment, it would have a bad outcome or, or affect the outcome of someone. Um, then they did those surgeries. But now is uh, everyone's getting tested if they're uh, coming before surgery. If they have within three or four days, and it keeps changing depending on you know how they get the patients. Um, if if they're COVID negative, then you can go ahead and do the procedure. And act accordingly. Mm. If you haven't had the test in the last three days, a lot of places are not doing the elective surgeries anymore. Now, people that come in the emergency rooms, a lot of those, you know, the radar, the antennas are way up. If someone has a cough or sneeze, anything, they're making sure it's not COVID. And the ICUs are getting overwhelmed. Now, I don't work in the ICU, but some of my partners do. And the, the ICUs were getting overwhelmed initially because they put everybody on a ventilator. Right. Now, since found out that, you know, it, sometimes a ventilator actually causes harm. So they're trying to avoid that at all, po- you know, if at all possible. Hmm. But other than that, outside of wearing masks and socially distancing, the cafeteria doesn't have food laid out anymore. Everything is pre-prepared. You can't go to the salad bar. You know, basic inconvenience that everybody has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's absolutely crazy. You know, I, the... The interesting thing is, is this from when I actually saw you the first time I saw you was at the Zanies in St. Charles towards the latter end of last summer, right before that place just shut down for good. Yeah, it shut down. Yeah, it sucks. So you, went, you went there and a the place closed down. It was right after you, man. <laughs> what the hell, that doctor, man. Stay away from that one. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, to, to kind of segue in, into that, I find it kind of incredible, actually. You grew up in L.A., you, you moved to Chicago after going to UCLA, and then you started comedy while at medicine, uh, studying at Northwestern. Um, usually it's like people either would start there and then come here, but comedy was something that you picked up here. Um, what was it about, I mean... How did you pick that up? Like, were did you have these group of friends who just thought that, hey, you're kind of funny, maybe you should do this? I mean, how'd that start for you? No, I always wanted to do, you know, um, I always loved comedians. When I was a little kid, I used to stay up late, you know, uh, and watch the comedians on the Ed Sullivan show or uh-huh. the Tonight Show or whatever show there was that you could see a comedian. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. And I was always the guy in class, not the class clown, that was someone different. That's the guy who puts pencils in his nose, you know. Yeah, that was me. Scares the girls. But I was the guy cracking wise. You know, I crack wise and the class would laugh. I mean, I always liked comedy. And uh, kind of parents pushed me into medical school. Now, the summer before I went to, to Northwestern, I used to hang out at the comedy store every night. I mean, literally every night we'd go there and stay till the end. We'd get there about wow. 10, 11 o'clock and stay till the end. Then we started talking to some of the comedians because they saw us there all the time. And uh, I said, you know, I really want to do this. They said, well, you ought to come. So that was like in late August. 
beginning of September, and I had to go to medical school, so I flew to Chicago, and I kept thinking about it. I came back from my first Christmas vacation, and they had uh, newcomer night or you know amateur night, whatever it was, you know showcase night on a Monday night. So I put together four or five minutes. You know, I went on stage. I was scared to death, and I did my jokes, and people laughed. And I went, that's it. And then I came back to Chicago after the Christmas break. And there were all kinds of showcase clubs popping up. That was like in the birth of the big comedy surgeons of the late 70s and early 80s. Um, so there was Mr. Kelly, well, not Mr. Kelly, Ratso's had a showcase. Um, Kingston Mines, Mr. Kelly's had a, a once in a while showcase. There were all these showcases. Um, and then we started doing the showcases. Then the comedy room. Uh, opened up the comedy cottage opened up um and we just started working yeah you know that that's crazy you know the the funny thing is not the funny thing is it's um kingston mines actually they're 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 done this pandemic has actually pushed them out now yeah it's it's unfortunate this was the kingston mines that was on lincoln avenue oh so there was another one so there was one on the on the one the blues one and then there was another kingston mines the, the blues one that's on Halstead now right. used to be on Lincoln. Gotcha. Okay. And, and then there was an upstairs attic that could hold maybe, I don't know, 30 people if you oh, squeeze wow. them. So uh, one of the comedians uh, and my contemporaries, if you will, back in those days, the, Tom Dreesen was running a showcase at the uh, Pickle Barrel on Oak Street. It was a deli that they would do a couple nights a week. They would do comedy. Um, Marshall Warfield, Brad Sanders, you know, there, there were a lot of a lot of good people back then that I, when I started. Um, so one of them went to Kingston Mines and said, hey, you got this room upstairs, you know, you want to do comedy? Right. Said, yeah. So I think it was Friday or Saturday night, and there'd be a tremendous you know, array of talent. I'm Judy Tenuta, Emo Phillips, all these people that you heard of, Larry Reed. Um, and then, you know, when the circuit got a little big. Arsenio Hall would come, you know, came by when he was oh, left wow. Ohio and Cleveland, started hanging around with uh, the comics. Holman Fiala, um, James Leslie Jackson. There's a lot of comedians that, you know, made a living and have been very successful over the years. So we went up to Kingston Mines and they said, uh, yeah, put up some chairs, you know, send a waitress up there. And they said, yeah, you got it. So we started doing comedy there every Friday night. That's awesome. Now, um, to kind of go back to the, the doctor thing, is I, this is part of your live show, and I saw yeah. that when I saw you, is yeah. you say, oh, you know, doctor, you were kind of, you know, that's what my parents wanted me to be. Was that really how that was, or did you just kind of, you know, you felt like there's that stereotype, oh, he's Jewish, he's going to be a, I mean, or was that really the, the case for you? Oh, no. That was, that was, uh, Sorry about that. You're good. Um, no, that was kind of true. My, my wow. parents kind of urged me toward that. I wanted to go to showbiz or law or something, which is, I think, as a form of showbiz anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> but now it is. <laughs> and it always was. And, and my dad kind of pushed me into medicine. And when I was going to UCLA, it was really hard to get into medical school. And I'm the kind of person, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to kill myself trying to prove you wrong. Right, of course. So I got into medical school, and when I got in, I went, you know, I don't know if this is for me. Um, you know, and I don't like to quit anything, so I did it uh, knowing I have something to fall back on, too. Um, and then I started doing comedy at the same time. So, 
you know, I was doing two things at once in medical school. Wow. You know, that the way you just described that goes back to the one thing that you've kind of brought up a couple times in the middle of the pandemic, and that's the, oh, you know, so-and-so has chest pain. He calls in. He says he has COVID. No, he's been living with someone that he shouldn't be with. That's kind of your what your struggle was there. You're like, ah, showbiz is pulling my heart, but kind of getting forced into the situation. I couldn't even imagine that. You saw that post, huh? Oh, I, I watch this stuff. It, it's witty. It's funny, but it's the truth. I mean, if your heart's pulling somewhere else, it's like, why, yeah. you know, why not go to it? But I guess the parents, they, uh, they could push well, you. you know, but, but I gotta say, looking back, you know, I'm, I'm kind of grateful that, um, that they did push me and I didn't quit because no matter what happens, I could always make a living for my family. Very true. Now, you know, that being said, I think that if I would have quit right after medical school, I just got the degree kind of like, uh, Michael Crichton, mm. you know, he finished medical school and quit his internship. He's a very successful writer. And I think that if I would have pursued just show business and not both, I probably would have been, uh, I could have been, I'd like to think I would have been a little more successful in that industry, probably behind the camera, mm. producing, you know, I mean, uh, some writing stuff, that, that type of thing. But looking back, I mean, it's easy to look back and say, I should have done, I could have done, I would have done. Mm. Now here we are now and I'm happy with what I'm doing. I'm doing, I'm doing medicine and, and I'm doing comedy whenever I can, and I and I love the most now. Yeah, no, that, that I mean, you can't you can't get much better than that. Now you did you did take 15 years off to, to focus on you, you know your family and stuff like that. What was it about getting back into? It? I mean, how do after 15 years? I mean, what is it going through your mind? Like, okay, like, let's do comedy again. Like, it's such a strange transition back into it. How how did that work for you? Well, it's not like you go, hey, let's do comedy again. I think I'm going to go bike riding. No, right. that, that comedy never left me. Mm. Uh, I always thought like a comedian. I still think like a comedian. You know, if I see something, oh, that's funny, and I write right. stuff down. Um, so it's not like you go, okay, now I'm going to put my comedy hat on and start being a comedian. It was always you're there. Always, you're always thinking that all the time. So what I started doing is I, I got to get back on stage to impart the things that I'm thinking about, to talk about what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then you, know, you get your chops back, you get, you know, get the rust off. And then you start feeding on the audience. You see the audience, you see the laughs, you know, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Now as a, as a comedian, when you're going to places like these zanies and stuff, and you see all these photos on the wall, do you ever sit there and go, God, I wonder what happened to that guy. Like comedians, I feel like go through this, this thing where, you could go through a hot stretch and then all of a sudden they just fall off the face of the earth. What, what is it with the, the comedian and stuff like that? Is it, is it that for people who are doing it full time, is it really something that's got to be pushed and worked at 24 seven to really flourish and make a living off just being a comedian itself? Well, you can, the more you work at something, the better you get, mm-hmm. like, you know, to quote, to quote Seinfeld, um, Seinfeld said, to be a good comedian, you have to have good jokes. To be a better comedian, you have to have better jokes. So he writes every day. Okay? And that being said, Woody Allen used to say that he only tries one out of ten that he writes, and he only keeps one out of ten that he tries. So if you do the math, he keeps one joke out of a hundred that he writes. Okay? Now that, 
that gives you an example of how much wow. you have to work, how much you have to write. Uh, so you're not stagnant and you're not, you're not just resting on your laurels. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, back in the seventies and eighties, there used to be a, a big road circuit and the shows were either Tuesday through Sunday or Wednesday through Sunday. Okay. And we used to love going on the road because if you have an idea, you can try it on a Tuesday or Wednesday, right. you know? And then, you know, you'd work it again on, on Wednesday, working on Thursday, working on Friday, working on Saturday, you kind of hone it, mold it. And, and if you're good about your craft, by the end of that week, you should have a minute, another minute. And you do that the next week, you think of something and you work that. By the time you come back after a month on the road, you should have five more minutes. That's crazy. You and have to people, write a lot, though. That's 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 why. Yeah, you have to write a lot. Absolutely, you got to write a lot. Otherwise, you're just going to get, you know, you get the same 40 minutes. Every time you go, you come into town, and after a while, people are like, oh, I've seen that. Yeah, it's the same set then. You know, people get sick right. of it. Right. right. But if all of a sudden, you know, you got 10 new minutes, 15 new minutes, they go, you know, I want to see what he's going to say this time. It's not, I want to see him sing that same song. I want to see him sing a new song. Mm-hmm. Right. So. No, as, as a comedian, though, too, you do have that sticky point, though, where you do have these staple. Uh, sticky point. I have a sticky point. Staples, staple, staple uh, kind of sets or skits though that people do come to see because there's comedians like I like like Brian Reagan who you know I haven't seen him yet but I've had family who go seen him like hey they didn't do that those bits that I loved what the hell well you do got to switch it up how do you um, deal with that too because I'm sure there's a lot of people who go and see you and they see your stuff online and then you might be throwing in new stuff and like ah. Oh, this isn't what I came for. Is it hard to kind of balance that? I, I don't. I don't get that that much. Really? Um, yeah, really. I, I mean, as a comedian, I don't think um, it's not like you know you want to go hear the Eagles sing, Cal- you know, Hotel California. <laughs> if they don't do it, you're you know you're disappointed. Right. I mean, you know, comedians have you know bits or hunks of three, four minutes or something. You know, you talk about your buddy, this or that, mm-hmm. whatever you talk about. And if, they, if someone comes and they, say, they want to see you talk about your brother-in-law and you don't talk about your brother-in-law, but you, you still talk about something else that's funny, I don't think they're going to be disappointed. Yeah. I, I ha- I've had people uh, come up to me after the show and say, hey, you didn't do this. And I went, no, I'm trying to you know, move on. Right. I like, <laughs> they go, oh, we really like that. I said, okay, well, next time you come, let me know and I'll do that for you. Uh, I also, you know, I used to do a thing on... Um, how to get out of a ticket. And, and it's, uh, I do this kind of a thing uh, that I do with my mouth and, and, and voice. And uh, I did it one time and someone came to see me. And as soon as I started the introduction of the bit, I saw one guy go to his wife. She's doing it. She's doing it. <laughs> so you know, I got, a, I got a kick out of that. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, I, I've never seen people, uh, you know, comedians anyway. Singer is a different story. When I play to you know, go see a singer, I want to hear that song. Right, of course. You know, I'm not disappointed because they're singing other songs I like. Yeah, but, but you paid that money. You better sing that damn song. Well, I don't know. I mean, but as long as you sing other songs, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, you go see Adele. She's got a lot of good songs. Yeah. So, yeah. No she kidding. also lost 100 pounds. Yeah, she looks great. I mean, it's it's yeah. remarkable. Nobody's going bring her food anymore. Come on. <laughs> And she get an Uber Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, man, it's great. Now, um, there's 
this is always a fun one too, and I'm sure you get this. Um, the worst gigs, like Jeff Garland, his comedy special on Netflix. He he had a gig at Sunday in the morning at three a.m. He goes, if you're playing a gig at Sunday in the morning at three a.m., you're playing for alcoholics. It was a horrible gig, but at that time, as a comic or comedian, that's how you're paying and that's how you're providing. What were some of your your nightmare gigs for you, per se? Oh, uh, this is the worst gig I've ever had in my life. Um, we were doing a college tour uh, called Comedy Tonight. Um, and the guy, it was me and two other comedians, Fred Raker and I think Jimmy Samuels. I don't remember. Rest in peace. He passed away. Oh, man. Um, and he would say, you know, we went to the, the, the NAFA convention with all the college NAFA conventions. So we got picked up by a lot of schools in the South. But they only have like weekend gigs, so oh, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to send us there, fly us back, send us right. there, fly us back again. So he's trying to sell us like a whore on North Avenue, <laughs> um, you know, in between the dates. So we had all these weird gigs. Um, the weirdest: we walk in a bar, and uh, it's a bar. It's got sawdust on the floor, oh, man. and the bar has like a rectangle in the center of the bar. Okay. And the glasses are all hanging in racks around the, right? Okay. So you pick off a glass, a wine, whatever. And, and then we walk in and we said, hi, we're the comedians. And he says, oh, okay. And he hands us a microphone, like from a Mr. A Mr. Microphone kind of sound system. <laughs> I mean, this was like something out of, you know, Ronco. And he takes an apple crate, honest to God, he takes an apple crate, turns it over in the corner, and then takes one of those clip-on lights you can buy at, at Home Depot. Like a snake-like thing. You just go like, like, No, it wasn't a snake. It was like a cone, but you can clip it on somewhere. Oh, okay. Clips it on the rack, and literally it was, it was this big, the cone. That's it, with a bulb in the middle. And he clips it on, and he goes, hey, we're having comedy. <laughs> And that was it. And that was the worst. That was the absolute worst gig. I think if three people looked at us, it, that was a lot. Wow. That yeah. I mean, that's crazy. But that you got paid though, so. Yeah, we uh, we we got paid. We got paid for the whole tour. Uh, that was bad. Um, the other one, the second worst gig that that I've had. I mean, I've had gigs where there were two people in the Kingston Mines. That was a showcase. It wasn't a paying gig. Oh, but, man. Uh, the other paying gig was it was a commuter school in Illinois. It was downstate. Uh, and it was the lunchroom. Could have been Lincoln College, somewhere downstate. Mm -hmm. It was the lunchroom at lunchtime. And there were two, two banks of vending machines, one on each side. Okay. Okay. And it was broad daylight. And there were students on both ends of that little hallway and they kind of put us in the middle and someone said, Hey, we're having comedy. So you would <laughs> you'd be up there and watching people get up, go to the vending machine, put their money in, pick the sandwich up, get the soda, go back and start talking to their friends. There was cross talk across. Oh, they had man. no idea that there was going to be a show. It wasn't advertised at all. It wasn't, it wasn't anything. That's horrible. Yeah, that, horrible. And the third gig that I'll never forget, um, there was an article written about me in the, in the LA Times. Oh, wow. I, I, 
I live in LA about being a doctor. Mm. So, so they hired me and another place. There was this place called Pritikin. Uh, he was a doctor that had some weird idea about cardiac rehab. Like he didn't hmm. believe in bypass surgery and stuff. He said you could reverse the, the, you know, the plaque process by diet. So we were, we were there with like 20 people, average age was 70, that had had a heart attack in the recent past. And we were there to entertain them. And they literally looked like this. Oh my God, that's horrible. I mean, they, yeah, that was horrible. That was, that was the, you know, the last of the top three most, you know, worst case. Yeah, gosh, that's horrible. I mean, that, you know, it's, that's, I couldn't even imagine that, you know, and this is a horrible joke, but I've heard this before. The The third worst story reminded me of, the, you know, the the bad joke of, you know, what's the worst part of a vegetable, the wheelchair. I mean, that's horrible that you had to do that. I mean, I couldn't even, how could you even, I mean, being in your position, I don't even know if I could accept that because it's like these people have been through so much. Well, I mean, you know, you weren't making fun of them, but it was like, you feed off that crowd as a as a comedian. You're not yeah. getting, yeah. Oh man, I, I can't. You try and interact a little bit. You know, you do the best you can. I mean, and obviously the person that hired us realized this isn't going to work. Right. Now you're better off getting a service dog. <laughs> but, <laughs> Jokes on that. You got paid. Oh you know, yeah, that's you great. got paid. All right, but you know, that's crazy. I'm gladly giving the money back here. I'll do another gig. Right. You know the the funny thing. Um, is the whole Blue Angels thing that caught me about a couple of weeks ago and I saw that about the cost and stuff for that and how frustrated you were. How did those numbers come into the picture? Like, did you really, I mean, is it really cost that much? I mean, that's frustrating if you, if you think about it, that we would just give you guys the PPE instead of sending, you know, having these $450,000 planes fly over. Is that really the case? Well, you know, I was in the hospital and someone said, you're going to go outside and watch the Blue Angels. And I said, what? I said, yeah, the Belinda was flying over Chicago at 11 o'clock. And I went, why? What? Yeah, to, for motivation for the frontline workers. And now I'm wearing all this crap, you know, trying to, and right. we can't get, we have to reuse our N95 masks. They're not even a real, a real medical N95. It was like a painter's mask, you know? So I got mad. I looked online. I said, what does it cost for the Blue Angels? And they said, the Blue Angels cost, uh, by the time you figure gas, the ground crew getting there, you know, all this stuff was like four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Jesus! And then they had the the Firebirds, I think oh, the Thunderbirds, uh, the, the, Thunderbirds uh, the Air Force. Thunderbirds. They had the Thunderbirds. No disrespect to the Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds <laughs> there with them, so that's nine hundred thousand dollars to fly over Chicago and Detroit. And I'm thinking nine hundred grand. That's a million dollars. How many masks could you buy? Right. You know, people that were out of work, how much food could you get? So I just went nuts. And I, you know, I, I did my rant and it got like, it went viral. Yeah. I was, I was on TMZ. I didn't see that, that, that guy on TMZ. Got on TMZ. Holy cow. That's, that's wild. You know, the wild thing is though, this though, it's just like being a, as a, a comedian, you're always going to get hecklers. People were commenting on there saying, oh, this is stage. Look at. His ER room, it doesn't even look busy. Just another guy, you know, dressing up for, for a stunt. I mean, I don't understand people. Like, 
That's their freedom. They can say what they want. It's their freedom, man. Just like Don't going to Lake freedom. of the Ozarks. You could just do it, right? right? It's their freedom. First of all, that was an entrance to the side entrance in the emergency department. And people were saying, look, his ID tag is not even on. That was a surgical gown I was wearing because it's cold in the operating room. And that tag, you're supposed to be able to turn yourself sterilely to tie it up in front oh. of you. Well, you could wear it. I was actually wearing it backwards because the part that's open in the front is really in the back uh, of the surgeon. So, you know, sometimes they have surgeries and they have leftover gowns and you, you know, they don't throw them away. They just kind of put them away for people to wear. Mm. So I did that. So the person who said that, they can kiss my behind. Yeah, for real. You know, you get that though. You're going to get people like that. And I say, you know, you're disrespecting the military, you know. Oh one my gosh, people, those people. One woman even called the hospital and said, my son is in the military and, and, you know, you're disrespecting them. I said, really? Where in my speech, in my rant, did I disrespect anybody? Yeah. No. Except the president. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone does, and I, I'll be the first one to to do that as well. But I mean, you even opened that video with, "I'm a patriot." Like, yeah. So stupid. Right. I know. Uh, yeah, that's not very patriotic. Bad mouth in the military. See what happens when you're in trouble. They come save you. Oh, so those I'm people are nuts, man. I, I yeah. can't stand it. And you know what else is nuts? Because I I know you're a doctor. Obviously, I have to ask you. What's what's all this stuff, you know, surrounding this Stella Emanuel, this this Houston-based doctor, with these um, claims about, you know, practices with the hydroxy and these demon sperm BS? I mean, is this? I mean, is this is this person an actual? I mean, is there legitimacy here with 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 her practice? Is she an actual doctor? You know, I don't know, and I, I heard her on the news, you know, that they, they said this is what a doctor says. And as soon as I heard that one sentence about some demon making love, I just Right. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm not giving this woman <laughs> one second of my brain thought. None. Yeah. Period. None. It's so crazy. Even any questions, I have no idea what she's saying. She's nuts. All I know is hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. Um, remdesivir works in small doses. Uh, you know, for short terms, mm -hmm. but a uh, short duration. So, you know, I don't know whatever else anyone no. said. There's no magic bullet. This thing is extremely contagious. And if you're sick, this thing is going to get you. Yeah. If you're not sick, you know, if, you, if you're just a regular healthy person, young, and you get this, it's kind of mild for you or asymptomatic. But if you have something wrong with you, it's going to kill you. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's scary. And I just have to ask because... There's all oh, these you know, people out there who are just being goofballs about all this stuff. It's just, I mean, when we have someone, you know, at uh, in the White House who just doesn't know what the hell he's doing, it just make it just makes it horrible. It makes your job harder. Yeah. Um, because you know you, you you're limited with what you can do. Um, it's your it's your fault because you guys don't have ventilators because that makes sense. It's our governor's fault because. You don't have ventilators because that makes sense. It's just all it's just a mess, absolute mess. Um, it's a hoax. Come on, yeah, Come on. it's, it's a hoax. Yeah, it's a hoax. It is. It, is. it really My is. My freedom is a hoax. Right, but like I said at the start, now you got this content, not not the best content, but you have content to write it out. And talking about content. Some of these clubs are starting to come up again. I know Zanies in Chicago. They're starting to, or they have been doing shows, kind of, sort of. Yeah. How has and that I'm been working? Gonna be there, I'm going to be there Thursday. This Thursday? This Thursday. 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 
How they has have, that been working? Well, I don't know. They're just starting it. They're, they're limiting the, uh, I think, 50 people. Okay. And unless you're coming with, like, from a single household, you're going to socially distance. There's usually people come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you socially distance, and there's going to be six comedians. No kidding. So, so we're going to see how it works. Also, other comedy clubs are talking about opening up. But, you know, it's going to be interesting because a comedy club, you need laughter is contagious. Certainly. And if you're sitting in a tight, intimate place and the people next to you are laughing, you're going to laugh. You'll be more apt right, to laugh also. So I don't know. I'll let you know. Let, you know, yeah. talk to me after, after Thursday night. I'll, I'll let you know how it went. For sure. Now, aside from just getting back to live comedy, do you think this is really going to put a lot of these clubs that, you know, you have frequent, frequented or, you know, you know, been at out of business because of this? Uh, I think so. I hope not, but I think so. You know, um, it's putting a lot of places out of business. Mm-hmm. It's putting a lot of restaurants out of business and a lot of clubs out of business. Right. Clubs need a certain amount of people and selling so many drinks or so many meals or mm. whatever to, to break even. And they haven't had that for three months, you know? So that's crazy. And, you know, I don't know what the margins are. I don't know what the finances mm. are. All I know is no business could sustain, you know, four or five months of no business. I mean, by definition, you got to have people coming in or you're going to close down. Right. That's... How many restaurants you've seen closed? Cause no one eats there. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I didn't know that Thursday it was gonna it was gonna be. I think maybe I'll even show up there. But Thursday at what club? Plug it. Zanies, right? Zanies downtown. Downtown. Uh, Perfect. Awesome. I will go ahead and I'll make sure I include that in the 8 link. Eight p.m. Eight p.m. Six comedians. I don't know who else is on, but I'm gonna be there. Awesome. How many minute sets are they? They're like fifteen. You know, if there's six of us, it's probably gonna be. 15, 20 minutes. 15, 20 minutes. Perfect. Awesome. I'll be sure to include that in uh, in the description. Well, hey, Dr. Bell, I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your crazy schedule, I'm sure, to, to talk to me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. That was my conversation with comedian and Dr. Bill Miller. If you're in the Chicagoland area, you could catch Dr. Bill this Thursday at 8 p.m. August 13th, downtown Chicago at the Zanies Comedy Club. They have the Zanies Super 6 Showcase, where it's going to feature six of Chicago's top comedians from across the city. A night of nonstop laughs. You could get your tickets at Zanies Chicago. .laughstub.com For more information, I will also have full links in the description of the show. Thank you for tuning in as always, and we will see you next week. Thank you guys.